although antibiotics can be useful, they're not always getting at the root cause of why someone got SIBO in the first place. Hey, my name is Cheryl Witten, and this is the Aromatherapist Podcast. My newest book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, is the antidote to confusing aromatherapy instructions and bad recipes. This is the book you need to undo everything you've learned on the internet. In this book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, I explore how to use essential oils safely. You can learn with me about essential oils and allergic reactions, irritations and sensitizations, phototoxicity, methods of application, types of carrier oils, how to dilute by age and health condition, the right way to ingest essential oils, contraindications for pregnancy, epilepsy, children, and more, and the aromatherapy secret everyone wants to know, the blending formula you need to finally properly calculate your own DIY recipe or blend. Essential Oil Dilution Guide is available now on Amazon. My guest today is Trish Whetstone. Trish is the Feel Good Gut Coach, a holistic health specialist, stress expert, and intuitive eating advocate. Trish has a background in psychology, public health, and substance use prevention, and she became a certified health life and nutrition coach to help herself after years of struggling with IBS. Now she helps others through nutrition, stress management, and lifestyle change so they can feel good in their gut. I talked to Trish today about IBS and more specifically about SIBO. And SIBO is a condition that I've lived with for a little bit. So I wanted to pick her brain. And so she really dove into some of the complexities of this disorder. And so my friends, Trish Whetstone. Hi, Trish. Welcome to the show. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get into everything, I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, Can you tell us about yourself and how you discovered holistic health? Absolutely. So I I kind of had a passion for health. Um, In my teen years, I studied psychology and public health in college, and then immediately went into the nonprofit world, teaching social emotional learning skills to youth. So I always had a passion for not only physical health, fitness, nutrition, but mental and emotional health. Um, And it's really quite interesting. During this time, in my early 20s, I started to develop my own health issues, Uh, mostly weird bowel movements, digestive concerns, uh, but then also joint pain, anxiety, skin issues, the the whole gamut. And during this time, I started to study the gut and realized that that was at the core of a lot of my issues. And I started to learn about holistic health on this journey. Like, okay, it doesn't just have to be medicines and surgeries. There's, There's other ways to kind of deal with this. So almost by happenstance, I found a a holistic health and life coaching program on Instagram of all places, (laughs) an advertisement. And I joined it for myself. I'm like, I got to get my health in line, whether or not I help other people, that'd be great. But in an essence, I was kind of my first client working through my own issues and my passion just developed from there. I love that. That I honestly, and I think I say this every podcast, but it's, it's such a common thing. Everyone that I talk to they get into stuff because they're looking for answers for, for themselves, which is also why I do what I do too. So uh, that's great to to hear that that's also your experience as well. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to talk about this gut stuff. It's on everybody's mind. I think it's something that people have problems with, but maybe we don't work we don't talk about it too much. Um, but I want to talk about IBS and SIBO specifically. And I personally have SIBO, so I'm really familiar with this disorder. And uh, But can you tell us about it and what is SIBO and how is it really different from IBS or is it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I love your last little part there because it's not so different. A lot of these gut issues, there's nuances and there's ways in which they're related and kind of connected. But first, I'll kind of describe IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. That's a generalized disorder. It's the most common of the gut issues. Um, And typically, we can describe that as not having an irritable bowel disease like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Um, But basically, it's any sort of gamut of gut issues. And sometimes, oftentimes, other things can be underneath the surface like SIBO, like a candida or yeast overgrowth, general issues with the gut bacteria. Um, But sometimes IBS can be standalone and issue just digestively that often is related and exacerbated by stress. Mm. So a lot of times with IBS, we see poor vagus nerve function. That is the direct nerve that connects our brain to our gut. So a lot of times IBS can just be like, caused by stress, anxiety, lifestyle, nutrition, things like that. And we just kind of have general irritable bowel. It can or cannot co-occur with SIBO. And SIBO is very specific though. That is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And our gut has this bacteria that is good. There's this balance between good and bad. We need this bacteria. And it's mostly stored in our large intestine But what happens with SIBO is it travels into the small intestine, which isn't really great. We don't want an overgrowth of bad bacteria there or just, uh, you know, an imbalance there. So it causes gas, bloating, more often diarrhea, pain, cramping. And it really is a specific disorder within that small intestine. Yeah. And you can, in my experience, you can, it looks like IBS. Exactly. And it can, it can be either constipation or it can be diarrhea or it can be both. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can go back and forth and And the same with IBS. Yeah. And that, and the SIBO really depends on the type of bacteria and the gas that it releases. Right. So since this is a bacteria problem, we can use antibiotics, right? And antibiotics can work well, but sometimes they also don't. So can you talk a little bit about this problem and what can happen in the relation there with the the bacteria and maybe resistance or regrowth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's oftentimes what pops in our brain, like SIBO, it's complicated, but bacteria, yay. Can't we just kill it with an antibiotic? (laughs) And it's, it's not necessarily that simple. Sometimes it does work, but what can happen is first of all, like you mentioned, Um, we can have a regrowth. So we can kind of kill off that bacteria and a lot of antibiotics, uh, not all, but a lot of them kill off the good and the bad bacteria. So then you have a really vulnerable gut with no good microbes to fight off other illnesses. So you can have reinfections, other things you can have SIBO kind of resurfacing again. Um, But also we have a problem in our society with antibiotic resistance. And there's a couple of things that play into this. Um, There's some specific forms of gut microbes that have been shown to just resist antibiotics and they aren't killed by them. And scientists are, are, are studying this to find out, you know, wow, this is a bummer. We need to develop more antibiotics or, or why is this happening? And some of the clues or the, the, um, reasons we have for this is that we have just relied on antibiotics likely too much in our culture. We have a little bit of a strep throat, a little bacterial infection here and there. We just constantly take too much antibiotics. So our body is becoming resistant. 
or certain things with our food, within our food supply, like meats and dairy products that are laden with antibiotics from the farmed animals can cause um, kind of just this resistance in our body. So although it might seem simple, we take an antibiotic, it goes away, it might not go away completely. And we're left with a, a little bit of an imbalance that grows again over time. And then the final thing I'll say on this is that although antibiotics can be useful, they're not always getting at the root cause of why someone got SIBO in the first place, you know, was there, um, for example, chronic stress and the release of cortisol, our stress hormone, um, when that's not regulated, that can cause issues within our gut and kind of change the gut microbiome. So if we're going back to a stressed out life, we might just kind of be setting ourselves up for another kind of, uh, unbalanced bacteria situation and maybe SIBO might arise again. Yeah. Um, and the biofilm too, antibiotics don't really like the biofilm is that matrix that the bacteria live in. Right. And that there can be trouble with antibiotics getting through that, um, which creates that resistance or can contribute to it. And so lots of times then we hear people like, okay, well, you have problems with your, your gut, you should just take a probiotic and the probiotic can crowd out you know, the good bacteria crowds out the bad bacteria. And oftentimes when you even go to the doctor, that's can be a standard, standard response. You're like, okay, I got my, my guts are doing weird stuff. Your doctor might just say like, here, take, why, why don't you just try that and see what that helps for some people with IBS, sometimes that can help, but it doesn't always help or does it help for SIBO and mm. does it make it worse? Or is it just taking a step backwards and it, or is it just sort of a moot point? Yeah, I, I really love this question because um, the truth is a lot of people are like, I, I mentioned gut health and like, oh, great, I'm starting a probiotic. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of like use this as this cure-all answer. And when it comes to IBS and SIBO and other gut issues, probiotics may or may not help. It's really dependent on the person in the case, no matter what is going on here. Um, but specifically when it comes to SIBO, Probiotics can kind of be feeding the fire here because you have an overgrowth of bacteria um, and, and too much of anything, even a good thing, isn't good. So even if it's like you're feeding it with the good kind of bacteria, you're promoting this overgrowth overall, and that oftentimes isn't really the right solution. Um, and there are specific probiotics that can work, but a lot of times the probiotics that we find in the store, the most common ones for generalized IBS, immune health, feminine health, um, have lactobacillus. Mm -hmm. um, and that is one of the probiotics that are shown to contribute to the overgrowth of bacteria with SIBO. It's one of the, the bacteria that is already overpopulated, so it's not going to work. So you kind of need to be really careful with finding the right probiotic and also, um, just knowing that that's not the only approach that we'll have to look at food, we'll have to look at nutrition, we'll have to look at other, other lifestyle factors to treat this. Probiotics might be part of it, but you want to be careful with the kind that you're using. Yeah. And for, like for some people, there are very specific, like some bacteria that you typically have in your gut. There's not enough of them. Um, right. Which then in that case, okay, specific kinds of probiotic would make sense. But sometimes people feel better when they take them, but a lot of times when you have SIBO, it makes it so much worse. Like I, I, I know exactly this problem because yeah. I've done this. <laughs> yeah. It really does make it worse. So can you talk a little bit about food? How does food play into SIBO? How does that affect your symptoms? And does 
like, does it con- contribute to making it worse or better? Yeah. Yeah. So there are foods that can be triggers for SIBO or foods that you're going to need to maybe avoid or eliminate or restrict for it for a short time. Talk about reintroduction a little bit. Um, and then there are certain foods that you can eat to um, really kind of benefit the gut in this situation. And a lot of the triggers for SIBO are also going to look similar for other gut issues, um, but there are some specific ones. So first off, gluten tends to be a big trigger and dairy in general, whether it's cassian, uh, the protein in there or lactose, the sugar within there. Um, and then in general, a lot of people with SIBO really need to restrict or look at their carb and sugar intake in general. Um, and of course, a lot of carbs will be eliminated off the bat with gluten. So we're getting a lot of processed breads, foods, cakes, things out of the way. Um, but the step further that sometimes people need to take for SIBO is even limiting fruit intake, for example, uh, really kind of looking at restricting those sugars because that bacteria can feed off of those sugars. Carbs break right down into sugar, so it feeds off of those things. Um, and then one thing that is kind of unique to SIBO that uh, I will say is, is quite difficult to sometimes deal with um, is histamine intolerance. And histamines are often found in fermented foods. And a lot of times fermented foods are promoted like they're so good for the gut because mm, <laughs> yeah. it, it promotes that growth of the healthy bacteria. But as we mentioned with probiotics, that's not always what we need in that case. So I would say that that's generally the kind of biggest general classes of things that people need to look at when it comes to food with SIBO. But I would love to hear your experience since you've had SIBO. Yeah, I find it's it's definitely gluten. Dairy is crazy for me, but also certain vegetables. Um, so things like onions and garlic and sure. like hummus uh, and beans. Those are really rough too. Yes. Um, yeah. Yep. It's just like extra food for the bacteria and like within mm-hmm. 20 minutes will cause bloating. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So food, food is big. If you eat and with, you know, and you look like you have a food baby within a few minutes, you know, 20 minutes, that's a good sign that you have some, some gut stuff happening there. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I I like to use the example that like I dropped two pant sizes when I started kind of cleaning up my diet, going gluten-free, dairy-free, really limiting the carbs and the sugar. And my, my journey is not one of weight loss. It is simply gut healing. mm -hmm. But I kind of thought a lot of us uh, take these on as normal. Like I've just bloated. My stomach just kind of is that shape. I didn't realize it could actually be flatter and that bloating wasn't normal. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. Yeah, no, exactly. It and for me it was like I had a instance where I had I had to take antibiotics because I had an infection in my mouth and um and after that, that is actually when I noticed like I had been living with what I thought was IBS for a long time and then after I had that, I noticed holy cow, like this is really bad. So it was like, it got better for a bit. And then all of a sudden it went crazy and I had so much insane bloating. And yeah, that's not, that's not normal. Exactly. So, okay. So how do you fix it? What is your approach to this? I like to look at this in phases, but, um, how do you tackle SIBO? Yeah. I like to look at it in phases as well. Um, and so typically, especially when it comes to SIBO, but the same thing is going to be true for a lot of other gut issues is that you need to clean out the diet, um, oftentimes. And, um, with SIBO, we're kind of trying to starve that bacteria. 
So this is like limiting a lot of the foods we just men- mentioned, gluten, dairy, a lot of carbs and sugars, um, focusing instead on like non-starchy veggies, a lot of leafy greens for a lot of people works, clean meats. Like you mentioned, um, unfortunately for SIBO and gut health in general, veganism plant-based doesn't always work. Uh, animal protein, things like eggs are really reliable sources of meat and or protein and fats um, to keep you more satiated and full. Um, limiting fruit tends to be a good choice. Focusing on things like berries, which are really low in sugar. Um, and some people, this is true for both SIBO and IBS, follow a very light, and I say this like really with like um, a grain of salt, a FODMAP diet, a low FODMAP diet, because these are a lot of fermentable carbohydrates that cause these issues. Um, But I say this because ultimately this phase of starving out and limitation is meant to be a phase, right? It might look different a couple of weeks or months for different people, but ultimately we're going to be looking to add variety and rebuild the gut over time. So after you kind of get rid of some of the foods, this is, might be also the time, the next phase is when you might take an antibiotic, whether it is um, a standard medicinal form or it's sort of an herbal form or some sort of supplementation to help facilitate that process of killing off the bad bacteria to get a better balance here. Then you want to store healthier bacteria in the gut, restore the gut. So this is then adding in more fibrous foods, um, maybe using again, some supplementation. And in my approach, in my practice, I really like to look at the lifestyle as a whole. So other behaviors to build a strong vagus nerve, a strong gut, so that mentally and physically we're, we're in a better place. So this list looks like, you know, balancing blood sugar by proper hydration and exercise, managing sleep because it's so important in our hormone regulation. And of course, looking at stress and our overall wellness so that again, we're in a better place when it comes to hormones and other things that really could affect the gut. Yeah, that's a good approach. And I think also too, is like looking at the the other if you have other conditions that go with that. Exactly. Uh, Yes. Yes. You know, I'm very glad you mentioned that because you mentioned, I wanted to ask you um, that uh, you have like a thyroid condition. Yes. Oftentimes thyroid conditions, autoimmune conditions can go hand in hand. So that's really important. Yeah. The uh, Hashimoto's and SIBO, I have Hashimoto's disease and SIBO, those two go together. Um, A lot of people who have SIBO have Hashimoto's, vice versa. Um, Or I should say, really, it's a lot of people who have Hashimoto's also have SIBO. Just because you have SIBO doesn't mean you have a thyroid disease. Right, Um, right. But they do because when you have not enough thyroid hormone, it does affect your metabolism and it affects your gut. And so it's harder to, a lot of people are already constipated. And then you add in this bacterial imbalance and you have real problem. Um, and so if you can manage other ways that you're managing your thyroid disease, let's say you have that, then that can also positively impact your gut, uh, and how your gut moves and your, your regularities. So then that also helps SIBO. Absolutely. So one thing that I'm learning is that SIBO can be really tough and it can be tough to beat and it's very common to have recurrent SIBO. So what are your tips for handling this long-term? Yeah. Yeah. So long-term, um, 
there, there are so many different things and it will be individualized, but kind of the general things that are really important are a lot of the things that I kind of previously mentioned. You're going to want to eat clean whole foods for the most part. A lot of times this doesn't mean like you can wipe out the bacteria and go back to eating pizza and chips. You'll likely have to create a lifestyle around clean eating. Hopefully you won't have to restrict quite as much as you did maybe when you were on a SIBO protocol, for example, but in general, focusing on whole foods, um, a lot of people might have to avoid gluten or dairy, or at least limit it. Um, and kind of just find that new lifestyle that feels good, right? Take care of yourself in other ways. Again, a movement practice, meditation and mindfulness is huge because again, it kind of strengthens that um, connection. Our gut is known as our second brain. It's so intelligent. So really strengthening that with breath work um, is really, really important. Preventing stress because that can contribute to flare-ups. Um, I think stress is a another huge trigger besides just food. Um, and then for some people, you might look at some supplementation for a short period of time or just kind of continuing to have this within your diet. Um, some things that work well for people are aloe vera, uh, supplements that have licorice root, L-glutamine is great. Um, sometimes you can find some gut health concoctions uh, that have slippery elm bark and marshmallow root, and they're they're really natural ways that have few side effects, but are going to be kind of nourishing the gut and kind of creating a stronger, just like a stronger gut overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think stress is really a, a yeah. big piece of it for sure. Because, well, we all know when, when you're stressed, you, you know, you get the, the runs literally. Um, exactly. and, and right. Like we, I mean, it's just part of it. Um, because that's yeah. how, when we have the hormones flushing, um, and sometimes it actually is the opposite where it doesn't work very well just because of stress. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned the food restrictions and that can be really difficult to sort of live with. Um, especially if you have recurrent or long-term SIBO yeah. and, Really, it's not about, I think one thing that happens is if, if you have, if you have SIBO or IBS and you, you, you are on food restrictions, people can be really critical. Maybe you, they don't know why that you're, you're not eating certain foods and it can be a lot of foods mm. that you can't eat. And it's not yes. about dieting. It's about health. So it can be really hard to sort of have a food freedom approach or feel yeah. free in your in your life around food and can be triggering for people. So how do we kind of get out of that cycle of frustration yes. with SIBO, like everything you, everything I eat makes my stomach hurt or whatever. Yes. Um, how do we get out of that and, and sort of have more freedom in our, in our daily life? Yeah. So I think one of the big things here is, is practicing some mindset shifts to change the way that you're thinking about this. Um, because first of all, those, those thoughts can cause us stress. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we mentioned stress is so huge. And one of the reasons stress is so huge is when we are in a sympathetic nervous response, our, our digestion literally shuts down. Blood moves away from our gut to our appendages so we can run away from the bear or fight it, right? That's evolutionary mm -hmm. what happened. It still happens now. So we want to instead touch into our parasympathetic nervous system. That's our rest, our digest, our healing state. And so often, like you mentioned, nowadays, we live in sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, <laughs> crazy stress, and other people's judgments or 
ignorance, I'll say, or misunderstanding can cause that stress. So one of the first things is to connect with your why, why you're doing this. Know really deep down why it's important to you that, you know, people can judge me and think it's some sort of diet fad diet, but really I'm doing this for my overall health. I'm doing this to show up better for my family. I'm doing this to improve my self-esteem. I'm doing this to have energy to travel when things open up again. Whatever it is, connect with why this is so important to you and let that kind of positivity and that hope fuel you uh, so that you know that it's worth it. That would be one of my, my first tips. And With that, you can use some sort of mantras. Uh, Ones that I really like are my body works for me, not against me. (laughs) Because a lot of times we can get caught in the like, I wish my body would just like take this food and like deal with it. Like, why does my Mm -hmm. body hate? Why is it working against me? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So adopting these practices, breathing on it. um, I nourish my body and I find what feels good for me. Um, and, and another one that I, I like to remind myself and my clients about is this concept of phasing into phase out. Instead of just getting rid of foods, let's phase in tons of healthy foods and things that feel really good for us. Let's focus on all the things we can have, make this mental list, this physical list, tell people, I don't know about you, but I eat artichokes. When's the last time you had an artichoke? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then you'll hopefully slowly be able to phase out those other foods. And it's not so top of mind that it's like, oh, all these foods I cannot have. Yeah. And knowing just the things you can enjoy. Right. Uh, and hopefully, you know, getting to a point where where you don't have to avoid everything forever. <laughs> exactly. And like having that belief, like this won't be forever. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't know how long it's going to be. Kind of sucks. Like we can acknowledge it. But I, I, you know, kind of truly believing that it's not going to be forever, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And what I'll say along those lines is finding support, whether it's a community of other people who have SIBO and have been through it, whether it is a health coach or someone like myself to support you, or it's a community or of really, really awesome practitioners that you respect and they respect you and you feel really, really supported. That is really important because it is ultimately hard to do alone. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be frustrating, really frustrating. So the more help and support you get, the better for sure. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So is there anything else that you would suggest someone with SIBO or IBS incorporate that could make things a little bit better? Yeah. So one of the things that I really like to help people focus on is not just what you're eating, but how you're eating. Um, A lot of times we can eat so quickly. We scarf down our food. We're in a stressed rush out the door. And that really is not doing our gut a favor, no matter what issues you have, because you're not really, again, properly digesting your food if you're eating too quickly. So I call this mindful eating in general, but it's slowing down. It's maybe taking a deep breath, having appreciation for your food, trying to be to be gracious for what you can eat, what you can enjoy, chewing each bite of food 20 to 30 times. The enzymes within our saliva actually helps break down the food better. We're facilitating the digestive process before it even reaches our stomach or our colon. Our brain is turned on when we smell our food and we notice all the textures and colors. So no matter what you're eating, whether it's a food you want to eat, whether it's a food that might be a trigger for you, 
if you can eat it as mindfully as possible, practice more of a 20 minute meal rather than a five minute scarf down, (laughs) you're going to be doing your gut a favor. You're going to be allowing yourself some time to really connect with your body. And that can be really powerful. It costs no money. It's just some intentionality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And with some of these conditions, that feeling of fullness can hit you pretty hard. If you slow down, you know, you can maybe avoid that a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of times we only think of overeating as a problem when it comes to like weight, but overeating Mm -hmm. is a problem when it comes to the gut. That was a huge thing that I did. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I need to gain some weight. I was actually losing weight when my gut was really poor. So I was scarfing down food and not realizing it was just too much for my body to process. So this helps you really tap into your hunger cues because your body's prepared. So you're not starving yourself. You'll more likely be in tune with when you need a snack, but you'll also be more in tune with when you need to stop and push your plate away and say, I ate this slow enough and I'm full and I don't need to overstuff and give myself excess bloating and pain and discomfort. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Beautiful. That's a really, uh, really helpful as well. And I I love what you're saying about your enzymes in your mouth because- especially with SIBO, you already have trouble digesting. So if you take that extra time, make a difference. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking to us a little bit about gut health. Um, Where can our listeners find more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You can visit my website, healthcoachingbytrish.com. I'm Health Coaching by Trish on Facebook. I have a feel good gut group, which is a really uh, small supportive community. You have gut issues you'd like to join. And then I use Instagram a lot. I'm at feel good gut girl on Instagram. Beautiful. We'll both link all that up in the notes so they can link over and find you. So thank you so much. It was wonderful to have you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.